hello there. I'm Ellen. I'm the pussycat half of Pea Green Boat. In this podcast, I'll be talking about the real you, the person you've always dreamed of being. And I'll also be talking about all the things that get in the way of you being that person, that stop you being that person, and what we might be able to do to change that. I'll often be chatting with my fellow coach and longtime friend Fiona Dove. Fiona is the other half of Pea Green Boat. And with lots of other fascinating people from all over the world that we've both been fortunate to meet. So join me here for our weekly chats, full of laughter and ideas, ideas that can open doors for you. So grab yourself a coffee, hop on board Pea Green Boat, and we'll have a gentle sail down the river. Hello everyone. Well, it's the post-Covid me. Can't recommend it. Definitely was very bad news for several days, but I am definitely on the up now and I'm clear of the virus, which is a great help. It means I can actually see people again, even just wave across the garden. If you get it, please be careful. And please take it very, very, very slowly as you get better. It can catch you out and it's not funny. And you really want to get well. You don't want to be going up and down, up and down, up and down with this for ages. So try and get half speed when you've finished. Oh, and I hope I'm not going to be able to cough and sneeze at you. I might. So if I do, excuse me. Sorry about that. Anyway, here I am, post-COVID, lovely warm summer's day, actually butterflies out there, a couple of dragonflies on the pond this morning, which was fantastic, and I shall be going out there again later on. But right now, I'm here with you guys. I'm trying to remember this morning how it came up, but for some reason, I wanted to know when the acronym WYSIWYG appeared. You've probably all heard of it. W-Y-S-I-W-Y-G. And it stands for what you see is what you get. And it's been around in the computer industry for a very long time now. I didn't realise quite how long. It actually started in 1974. And that's actually when I started and began to get going into my boffin software career. It's about an interface, in fact, the interface that makes our modern desktop publishing so user friendly. Because when you type, when you set a style, when you move a paragraph around, when you change your spelling or move words, any of that stuff, then what you see on your screen is what you get. It's really important. I remember thinking how marvellous it was when it first appeared and then it was very clunky old stuff where it was all keyboard and and none of the drag and drop that we have now and none of the... automatic stuff that we're used to now but it was still totally bloody amazing 
And even back in those days, even back in 1974, I was already half into psychology. I did the very first uh, modern educational dance degree. In fact, my year made it through Exeter University. And that was, well, yeah, mostly built around what are known as Rudolf Laban techniques. Now, Rudolf Laban was a movement specialist, not just a dance specialist, but a movement specialist. And his work was fascinating because he worked with what he called the shadow movements. So you'd be waving your right hand and what people would look at, what you were taught to look at, is what's going on on the left hand. Not what the right hand is doing, the obvious one, the one that's doing the waving, but what's going on in the left hand, the one that's semi-forgotten about, that is the shadow. And it's quite stunning what you can learn. That you did a form of notation for it so that you can write it all down. And it's been used, even in the civil service, as part of interview techniques, where you actually watch the shadow half of your interviewee and see how actually that agrees with what's coming out of their mouths. Quite often there's quite a bit of difference. And we don't realise that. We don't actually know. We're not normally taught about shadow. We're not normally taught about shadow movements or about the shadow halves of ourselves. And even in a lot of modern witchcraft, the shadow self is, whoa, bit dangerous, whoa, something you ought to get rid of, whoa, all that kind of stuff. Actually, excuse me, but that is bollocks. <laughs> your shadow self is vital. It's a vital part of yourself. And an old story, an old Victorian story, which actually tells it ever so well, is Peter Pan and Peter's shadow. And if you actually go and read that story, it's a lovely story anyway, but if you actually go and read it and about, in many ways, how he's actually hunting his shadow the whole way through and what happens when he eventually gets Wendy to sew it back on, then you'll understand an awful lot about what the shadow is and how vital it is for all of us. So we all need to work with our shadow selves. So working with the Laban technique and working with shadow movement and understanding that and learning to feel it into your own body. Because as you learn about looking at it, of course you learn about actually doing it and feeling it. So you become much more aware as I was talking about with Jung the other week, you become aware of the shadow side of yourself and it becomes much more conscious and a part of the whole that you are. So there I was, A, getting a bit weird and definitely geeky with the software and thoroughly enjoying it and the WYSIWYG on the screen, but also going on was the WYSIWYG in the body, the WYSIWYG in the self, the WYSIWYG of the shadow self. So, as I said, WYSIWYG works super well for word processing and publishing and producing documents and all that kind of thing. 
also helps a lot with programming. And it also works really super well in ordinary personal relationships. And I grasped that then. That's because of the degree training, the Laban training. I grasped that, that all of us being WYSIWYG in the everyday world would be a damn good thing. We'd stop messing around, not saying what we mean, faffing about. I mean, how often do we say of someone that we like or get on with, you really know where you are with her or him? That's being WYSIWYG. You're seeing what you're getting from the other person. You don't have to faff around between the lines and working out the code of what they really meant to say, what they really think. They say it to you. They show it to you. It's there. So, right, you know exactly where you are. You may not agree. That's fine. But you know precisely where you are. And when you know that, it means you can trust them. That's huge. Trust comes, and it comes to us, when we are, what you see is what you get. And when other people are, what you see is what you get, back to us. Then we trust each other. Because we know we're not being played and fooled and messed about with and kidded and generally manipulated and managed. And when you're with someone that you trust, when you're with someone who is WYSIWYG and you're able to be WYSIWYG back, you're not slipping and sliding around the possible maybes and political correctness and snarky comments and smarmy remarks and justifications, endless and confusing clarifications that leave you completely brain-screwed, and the massive misinterpretations as well. They just say, the cat sat on the mat. I sometimes think, or I sometimes wonder, if I might not even warm to Hitler if he talked like that. <laughs> I know, that's asking a bit much. But I do like people, even if I don't agree with what they say. If I know what they've said to me, and I know that's what they meant. And I try always to do it back. Lack of WYSIWYG is what gets so many of us about politicians, certainly me. They never are. They're a whole bloody smokescreen of lies, damn lies and statistics. And they're trying to get you to buy them. Buy me, buy me, vote for me, vote for me. Nothing to do with what you want, nothing to do with what you've asked them. It's about what they think they can sell you. And selling there is another thing, you see, advertising was definitely not built on WYSIWYG. If anything, it was built on the reverse WYSIWYG. With adverts, you can pretty well guarantee that you will not get what you see. That what you see is just a smart ploy to get you to buy the rubbish that you almost certainly neither want nor need. Now, as a coach, as a witch, as a teacher, working with people, 
Is this how we want to work with each other? I don't think so. Is this how we want our leaders to be? Again, no, I don't think so. And is it how we want to lead ourselves? Well, I certainly don't. Now, how about you? So, let's think. Just how WYSIWYG are you? Let's try a little ditzy example and see what happens inside yourself. If somebody asks you if you like cornflakes and you know they adore cornflakes and eat them three times a day while you gag at the mere thought of them, what do you say? Do you go all havy-cavy? Well, they're very nice, I suppose. And then they offer you a bowl. So you do choke them down rather than saying, no, thank you. Which? What happens for you? Okay, so that's a trivial, perhaps, example. Let's take something much more controversial. Let's take, say, Boris Johnson. Now, this person you're talking to thinks the sun shines out of Boris's ass, while you want to kick Boris's ass. So, what do you say? How do you talk to them? How do you answer them? Do you sort of say, oh, well, I suppose it's all right, everybody's got their own opinion, and la la la, and um, duck around the houses? Or do you say, I just want to kick the bastard's ass? How WYSIWYG are you? So I gave you a moment with that. And what did you come up with? How much was your response geared to what you think the other person's response to your truthful answer would be? Does the idea, I don't want to hurt their feelings go through your head? And what about the idea of, oh, you can't say that. Does that go through your head too? Let's try a couple more questions. Why might their feelings be hurt by your answer? Just think about that for a moment. And you might like to jot down a couple of word reminder notes. And then, what's going on in them that they can't handle someone who disagrees with them? Jot down a couple more reminder notes about that. So let's try this. Where does the, I can't say that, come from in you? Ideas? Jottings? Who said that to you in the past? A 
and what has made you agree or bow down to their opinion? And a third one. Why is disagreeing with someone so often thought to be aggressive? If you come on somebody who says, oh, and you really think Boris Johnson is the best thing since sliced cat food, and you go, crikey, no. And they call you aggressive. What's going on there? What do you feel is going on there? This is the shadow movement again. A shadow that's happening behind their words. Now, all those things come up a lot with clients when I work with them. We're all of us, or few of us then, are used to being WYSIWYG. Rarely are clients used to being WYSIWYG. That's one of the reasons they need the help of a coach, the help of me. Mostly they're used to ducking and diving and not saying what they mean. They're afraid of being truthful, afraid of being themselves, in case somebody doesn't like it. I find that horrific and scary actually it's called peer pressure if you want a label for it peer pressure somebody doesn't like it therefore I can't do it and peer pressure is shatteringly awful it really is and it's exceptionally bullying peer pressure is so 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 often a sort of politically correct, nice form of bullying. But so many people are so used to it, they bow down to it and live their lives that way. And then something happens and they find they want to stop. So they're looking for someone to help them stop and that's really important. You do need help to stop. We'll go into that a bit more in a minute. And maybe they hit on me. So how do we regain our ability to be WYSIWYG? Mostly children are, very young children certainly, they don't know any other way. This is how it is. This is life. I am like this. I am wet. I'm going to cry. I'm worried. I'm going to cry. I'm happy. I'm going to laugh and run round and round. They are WYSIWYG. They're open and transparent. They're real and truthful and honest. And so they're trustworthy. And it's like, we've got to get back to that. We've got to get back to being open and transparent and real and truthful and honest. And so be trustworthy and able to trust others. 
So we have to dissolve and compost all these fears brought up by those horrible peer pressure questions stuck in our autopilots. And that's a lot easier said than done. Now, possibly the youngest person listening to me now has likely been living for a quarter of a century. That's 25 years of habit. It'll be ingrained. You might not even notice the habit is there. Many clients don't at first. They think these autopilot suggestions and habits about what will happen if they do certain things are as implicate as the law of gravity, and it's certainly not true. Their autopilot suggestions from elsewhere that you have turned into the laws of gravity. Now, that's actually very useful to all those people who prefer to keep us trudging through life in the same old, same old. And there are plenty of those in everyone's lives, from the advertisers who want to buy those want us to buy those wretched cornflakes to the boss at work who wants everything to carry on as normal to, you know, the teachers at school who want the kids to be as normal to anything. I mean, even your partner can become as boring as hell because everything is normal. And again, we don't notice those things. We don't notice these idiotic laws of gravity we've set up within ourselves. It's like they've always been there, like Everest. Now there's a thing. An assumption many folk make is that, and that it's really around the back of their neck, this assumption, the assumption is that mountains are actually ancient. And they're not. Mountains are actually very young lumps of rock. They've been thrust up out of the crust pretty recently in geological terms. And the taller they are, the younger they are. When they've been around forever and ever, they get flattened by wind and rain and sun and become plains. Now that are one or two exceptions, so let's not get pedantic about that. But basically, a tall mountain is a young mountain. An old mountain is a flat old plain. The longer something has been around, the less impressive it's likely to look. And, funnily enough, particularly through my witchy family, I found that people can be like that too. Old folk may not look impressive. You know, they're not going to stun us. They're not going to be super athletes. They're not going to be all these kind of things. They'll just be, be there in the corner, in the garden, in the kitchen, doing whatever, like they've always been there. In a witchy shaman family, the old ones are revered. We know they hold wisdom just from living, if nothing else. And we know that they're bright old folk. Rarely are they stupid. Rarely are they thick. And we don't treat them as though they are. 
We know they've watched and learned and noticed tons and tons of stuff during their lives. And they've also learned not to stuff what they know down everyone's throats as soon as they meet them. <laughs> Unlike teenagers, they really do realise there's been a hell of a lot of life for millennia long before they were born. And that the likelihood of finding something new that hasn't been seen or done before is very slim. That doesn't stop them looking, far from it. They're still as curious and full of wonder at the amazing planet we live on and all its critters as any child is. But the old crones, the old ones, were and are elders to us. And we listen to our elders and learn from them. Just because they're shrunk and wizened, a bit flaky on their pins, not able to see physically as well as they did, we don't despise them, we listen. They've probably been there, done that, got the t-shirt and likely licked the stamp too. On anything that we are experiencing. As a life coach and a superannuated hippie, I try to be that way with my clients. I have a ton and a half of life experience and I'm very willing to share it with my clients. And that experience has shown me how to be selective in what and how I offer things. I help the client to ask me what their guts tell them they need to know. And then I take them for a walk inside the enchanted forest, which is within themselves, to see what adventures and playmates, challenges and aha moments and insights are waiting for them to find there. And like in many of the ancient fairy stories, they often find that the ogre or witch or dragon they felt and feared was blocking their way and threatening them is actually a friend in a scary old disguise who will really help them move forward once they make friends. And again, like in the old stories, they'll find the Prince Charming type, the beautiful fairy, the wonderful priestess, is not the friend they believed, but actually someone who wants to score over them, put them down, do them ill. And like the old witch in the story, I invite them to my fireside and help them tell me what happened on their adventures and then help them make sense their own sense of it, their sense, not mine. And as they do that, it's the most beautiful thing to watch. As they do that, they are integrating the shadow side of themselves, the bit that's been rather scary, the bit that's been out of focus that they haven't really seen or known before. And to use story terms again, they drink from the well of wisdom, and that well of wisdom is within all of us, within each of us, ourselves. And drinking from it clears the fog and the cataracts from our sight. So they find they have inner friends who are always there for them. And that leads to outer friends who are real and true too, helpers, not backstabbers and backclimbers. 
And as they discover that, it helps them lose their fear of being real. They begin to be what you see is what you get. They begin to be WYSIWYG. And so they begin to be their true selves and move on in the world the way they want to, being who they want to, getting where they want to be and doing what they want to do. Do you fancy some? Give me a discoveries call. Let's see if we're cooking together. In fact, I'm just writing up a coaching program on being WYSIWYG. You could come and try it if you like. Well, that's it for this week, folks. So I'm off now, probably out into the garden in the sunshine. And I hope you're having a good weekend there too. And I will see you again next week. So bye for now. Well, thank you for joining our weekly sail on Pea Green Boat. Time to stop now. If you'd like to know more, you can meet me at www.ellensentier.com. And I'm on Instagram and Facebook and LinkedIn as well. So let's connect. Don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. And thank you so much to Wahoo Media who produced this podcast for me. See you next week. Bye for now.